Thanks, Stephen. There's lots going on this morning. It just feels like a lot going on, uh, a lot of wonderful and good. Uh, thanks for your patience with our uh, masking and mask uh, protocols. We're in transition like the rest of the world. So trying to keep up, uh, as uh, has been noted, you'll get more information about that this week. 18 months ago, we started uh, into the Gospel of Mark. Had no idea that it was going to uh, take this long to get through the Gospel of Mark, but it has. Uh, we took a break at the beginning of Advent and Christmas, uh, and then for a couple of months after, because uh, Mark doesn't mention in his gospel anything about the, the genealogy of Jesus, or the nativity of Jesus, or the boyhood of Jesus. So we've gotten to a good time now to jump back into Mark's gospel. We began on Wednesday with, uh, on Ash Wednesday at the beginning of Lent, dialed back in. Uh, where we got to in the gospel of Mark uh, before we took our hiatus was right up to the point where Jesus was about to enter Jerusalem for the last time on that donkey, that so-called triumphal entry, which we historically celebrate on Palm Sunday. Uh, we're going to put off, as I said on Wednesday, if you were here, uh, put off that passage until Palm Sunday, and we uh, picked up on Wednesday uh, where we, uh, right after that passage. So everything that we're looking at, uh, starting last Wednesday, which you can pick up on YouTube or one of our uh, podcast platforms, if you'd like, uh, was right after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the following week, or really about four or five days, of uh, right before Jesus' crucifixion. So for the next six weeks, that's what we're going to be focus on, focusing on. Uh, it's not a, a, a section of Mark's gospel that's a lot of fun. It's not a section of uh, Mark's gospel that people's favorite verses come from. It's not a section of Mark's gospel that's necessarily easy to get through or preach through, but it's good, it's worthwhile, it's God's word, and we understand it to be uh, just as important as any, re- any of the rest of the scriptures. So, um, we're jumping back in. Uh, pray with me. Uh, God, help us, uh, save us from... The busyness of our smartphones and our smart TVs and all of the smart stuff in our lives. Help us to have time and space here and now and throughout our weeks and days and years to always be particularly attentive to you and especially during Lent and especially as we go through this last section of Mark's gospel. Imprint your word upon our hearts and our minds. Seal it with all of your truth and grace. And I pray and ask that as my words are true to your true word, that they would be taken to heart. If my words deviate in any way, shape, or form from your word, may they be passed over, forgotten. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're getting now a reading from chapter 11 of Mark's Gospel, beginning at verse 27. Listen closely, this is God's word. They arrived again, they is Jesus and his closest disciples, they arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. This is a collective of people who together make up the ruling council of the Jewish people. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, 
and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, Jesus will ask them, why didn't you believe John? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people for everyone held that John really was a prophet from God. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. We don't know. Smartest group of people in Israel. We don't know. Jesus said, neither then will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And then the, and the, these things about which everyone is talking in this passage is, was, were, first of all, most notably, Jesus' so-called cleansing of the temple that happened the day before the passage that we read and looked at on Ash Wednesday, when Jesus went into the temple, flipped over the tables of the money changers and those selling doves, and halted the movement of merchandise in and around and through the temple courts, preaching passionately about such things. It was as if, in our modern terms or context, Jesus sanctioned commercial activity in the temple. He stopped the flow of goods, merchandise, and currency in their tracks. And as we've seen over the past week in our world, that tends to upset people and upset things. By what authority are you doing these things? Very disruptive things, they asked Jesus. And these things also certainly refer to Jesus' continuing action in the temple that day because the leader's question is in the present tense. Mark doesn't tell us exactly what he was flipping over that day, but he must have continually been disrupting that day as he had before, present tense. And these things, quote-unquote, likely also included all of the things that Jesus had been doing over the past three years of his public ministry, mostly in Galilee, but now in Jerusalem, in a variety of ways, disrupting, healing, miracles, teaching, but continually disrupting the status quo and those who are in power. By what authority are you doing these things? By what authority have you been doing these things? Who gave you authority to do these things? What gives you authority? And the Greek word translated here and elsewhere in Mark's gospel in the New Testament as authority is ekousia, which is defined in Greek lexicons this way, the power of authority and of right, the right, the power of choice, liberty to do as one pleases, physical and mental power, the ability or strength that one has been given, the ability or strength that either one possesses or with which one acts. And authority is actually a really big deal in Mark's gospel, I don't know if you remember, it's been so long since we started Mark's gospel, maybe all of that has just sort of left your brain as it in some ways has mine also. But over and over and over in Mark's gospel, this word authority pops up, mostly in relation to Jesus, but not only. Authority is a big deal in Mark's gospel, and authority is a big deal in our lives as well, though we may not talk about it explicitly as such or use that word on a regular basis. After all, we're Americans, most of us. We value liberty, freedom, autonomy, independence, and being our own authority, having authority over our own lives, being our own authority. 
We're not looking for others to have authority over us. Rewind to the 1970s in the Vietnam era and the betrayal and resulting resignation of President Nixon. And you will see in our history the emergence of a term or a phrase, question authority. But whether authority is a part of our daily thinking, authority and who and all, who and or what authority is in one's life is a big deal, whether we think about it or not, and it shapes our daily living, our perspective, our points of view, our values. Back to Mark. Jesus replies, I will answer your question if you answer my question. This was a fairly common practice of Jesus. It was a fairly common practice of rabbis at that time to answer a question with another question. And it's saying, Jesus was, on the one hand, you figure it out. Or, how about we figure this out together? Or, if you really want to know, if you really want to know, let's engage in some back and forth, some conversation, some candor. Tell me where you're coming from. I want to know that you're really invested in this conversation and your question, this dialogue, this relationship. Get invested. And Jesus' question to them was, was John's baptism from heaven? In other words, from God? Or was it human, of human origin? In other words, just from the man, John. And the chief priests and elders at this point pretty quickly know that Jesus, like an elusive boxer, can't be easily hit, punched. And on the other hand, he has now cornered them in a corner of the ring. So they huddle up to discuss. We've got two options, fellas. Option one is to say that John's baptism was from God. Jesus will turn that on us and ask us why we didn't believe him and why we didn't embrace John's ministry if we go with option one and say John's baptism, his ministry, all of that was from God. Well, what about option two? If we say that John's baptism was not from God, then the people will turn on us. The people at large, the general population, the people who are around us, the people in the temple courts, because they thought John was a prophet from God. It's a no-win situation. What do we do? We're stuck. And they were stuck without an option that they liked and so without a way to get Jesus to answer their question to him about from where he got his authority. And all of this is important in Mark's narrative because it affirms Jesus' identity and in affirming Jesus' identity, Mark seeks to affirm Jesus' authority which Mark has been working on since the very first verse of his gospel, which you remember, the beginning of the good news of the Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, or Christ, the Son of God, the, not a. And all of this is important in Mark's narrative because it affirms Jesus' identity and so also his authority. And this is relevant because, among other things, as Messiah Jesus moves closer and closer to his cross, on which and through which the sins of the world and the redemption of the world will be atoned for, it is clear that this was not an accident, not unplanned, not a surprise. Rather, as Jesus said about his own life in John 10, no one takes my life up from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority 
to take it up again. This didn't happen to Jesus. He with the Father chose the cross that's right in front of him now, and he had the authority to do that. Jesus' forthcoming cross, which is particularly in front of us during Lent, is an example of Jesus' authority. He has the right and the power to express God's love. He has the right and the power to express God's power in that way for the redemption of humanity because God so loves the world. And so this passage and Jesus' interaction here with the elders and the priests and the teachers of the law points to the cross as we move toward the cross. But this passage also ends with this loose end. The elders, teachers, and priests don't get the answer that they want because they are unwilling to commit. Notice that. They don't get the answer they want. They don't get their question answered because they're unwilling to really jump in. The chief priests, teachers of the law, elders didn't really want to know by what authority Jesus said the things that he said or did the things he did. They just wanted to trap him. Jesus knew this. And by this point, they were looking for a way to kill him. Real out about that. Not hiding that. Rewind 10 verses to verse 18 of chapter 11. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill Jesus. For they feared him. Sounded all familiar to what's going on in our world today. Because the whole crowd was amazed at him and amazed at his teaching. This is a real sense, in a real sense, Jesus' words in verse 33b that people don't really know, don't really want to know the truth. And if they don't want to know the truth, Jesus doesn't force it upon them. Verse 33, Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things then. The priests, elders, teachers were shutting their own minds and eyes, and Jesus was accommodating their shutting, which God sometimes does in the Scriptures. Pharaoh, you want a hardened heart? you got a hardened heart. You don't want to know? All right. I won't tell you. Their questions in verse 28 were, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you the authority to do this? But their real question was, who gave you our authority? Who gave you our authority? They had been the ones in charge. They had been the ones with authority. They had been the ones to whom people looked. They had been the ones it was assumed had or possessed authority, but now people were looking to Jesus as far back as chapter 1 in Mark's Gospel. We read, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law, against whom Jesus is now bumping heads more violently. And then Jesus cast out an evil spirit in that synagogue in Capernaum, and then we read this. The people were so were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, the right, the power, the strength. He gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law were unwilling to recognize and submit to Jesus' authority, which finally brings us now to us. To us. Because in some ways, and during Lent, 
we particularly recognize this, we are not a whole lot different at times than the elders and the teachers of the law and the chief priests. Of course, we affirm Jesus' authority in our lives. Of course, we affirm his authoritative role in our lives and for us, but do we always live accordingly? Which calls into question whether we actually treat Jesus as authoritative in our lives or not. So the scriptures affirm that Jesus can do what he wants. He has, he does, and he will. Jesus can do whatever he wants, we see in Mark's gospel. He has, he does, and he will. The question before us today and every day, and maybe particularly during Lent, is the same matter faced by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Will we recognize Jesus' authority? Will we recognize Jesus' authority? And will we submit to Jesus' authority? It doesn't do a whole lot of good simply to admire Jesus. He doesn't call him, and the scriptures don't call us, and Mark doesn't call us to admire him as much as submit to him, to recognize his authority given by God and existing in and of himself as God, and to follow him. Who will be the ruler of my life? Will it be Jesus, or will it be myself? In a uh, at a high school track meet yesterday, I was amazed at the number of athletes. And at that point, appearance is worth a lot, right? As it is for us, maybe. But how many people there were who were submitted to Jesus' authority? How many athletes had a cross hanging on their neck as they ran? Just seemed like a lot. Are we all that submitted to the authority of Jesus in and of himself and in our lives? I hope so. More power to those high school students. But more likely, I am inclined to wear a Christian t-shirt or put a bumper sticker on my car or attend a Bible study sincerely and yet still not submit to the authority and to recognize the God-given and God-filled authority of Jesus in our lives who said things like, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. Father, mother, sister, brother, walk away from them and follow me. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Love your enemies. Forgive those who have hurt you. Let's sing another song. (laughs) Why don't we sing another song rather than sort of process what it might look like in our lives this season in particular to recognize and submit to the authority of the one who with his authority laid down his life for me and for you. And for Mark says the sins of the world, there are lots of things, people, places who can have authority in our lives. Governments, constitutions, laws, parents, pastors, peers, oneself, a political party, a particular news source, social media, one's status on some scale or field or measure, money. 
Mark wants us to slow down and recognize who and what has true authority. To acknowledge that explicitly in this passage. Because Jesus is about to use his authority to do an incredible thing. The world will see him as a victim. But he was not a victim. But rather the embodiment of one who had full dominion over every action that he would take and that would happen to him. And his decision was love. Let's pray.